Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bottom Line with Bob and Kendall Ehrlich. We are ready for this show, and there's going to be some positive in it. So I'm very <laughs> excited about that because I have been immersing myself this holiday season in the Hallmark Channel, which I have never done before. And? Which is a sign of maybe some depression, <laughs> maybe some regrouping. And? Uh, and? College football. Oh, well, I've been because also watching college football. You have no relation to San Jose State. I, Nobody I in your family went there. I don't know how you got to be a fan. Maybe they covered some late cover. You made some money one time. I don't know. Could be. Yeah, could be. But, I think uh, that's it. Usually it's a late game, and we like to follow some late games in <laughs> well, my Well, we also miss the end of the football season. For our son, uh, Josh obviously redshirted this year, and Maris is done, and drew at a bowl game last week, a successful bowl game with the Washington Jefferson presidents, and now he'll be in an all-star, D3 all-star game next week, but the regular season is over. We're not going to Pittsburgh every Friday night, and we're sad. So, but it is Thanksgiving weekend, and there's been a lot of football on TV. So, so that we're has happy been for very that. exciting in our household, for sure. There's no doubt about that. And uh, we continue to root, but uh, still licking our wounds a little bit with uh, of which, the results of the election. So I highly recommend the Hallmark Channel, I have to and say. And you highly recommend listening to our show of for course. the next 20, 25 and minutes. And going to BobErlich.com to Thank find you. out. All good things and read great articles from Western Journal. And while you're doing it, eat Italian food at the Masonis. The Masonis or Masonis? <laughs> it's Masonis. <laughs> Run by the Masonis. <laughs> Address? 8833 Bel Air Road. Cost? Inexpensive. Inexpensive. Exactly. Not cheap. Inexpensive. Yeah. Love the Masonis. Speaking of which, we'll tease just generally. Uh, in the next week or two or three, we're not sure, but prior to Christmas, we're going to do a show, Ehrlich Suggestions on Holiday Giving. There. I love it. There's going to be a theme to that show, by the way, and it ain't going to be woke. Trust me. It's going to right. be anti-woke. So if you are confused as to what you should do with your annual giving dollars and your institution, your high school, college, middle school, elementary school, for that matter, has gone woke, it's gone left, it's gone crazy. Uh, watch the Ehrlichs in a week or and two. And we want to promote our capitalist friends out there trying to make a buck. Yeah, small business people. Exactly. The backbone of the American economy, the backbone of America. We love small business. Anyway, you tend to say I'm a Debbie Downer at times because of politics. We live in Maryland. You're correct, but I'm also accurate. <laughs> you, however, live in La La Land, and you always... I get really say, high and really low. <laughs> let's do something positive. <laughs> After the midterms, you said, hey... Here's your task. Do something positive. So we're going to do some positive angles as a result of the midterms for the next 20 minutes. The first positive angle, however, is a revisitation of something you said on this show. I did not offer an opinion. I thought you might be correct. And you may be, in fact, correct because your theory has been, I'll restate it for you and then let you take over, that as a result of COVID and lockdowns and kids out of school and what's happened to American culture, American society, American small business, American economy, American education, that this generation of young people may in fact turn right, not left, as a result of a series of very bad decisions by important people in high positions. Did I restate your position correctly? That is correct. Okay. I think that there is a generation of kids out there that 
will not trust government, but not just because of the bad decision-making. It's also that they didn't get any answers to basic questions along the way. You know, why do we need to take this vaccine? Why do we need to mask? Why do we have to stay out of school so long? Why, why, why? And there were really no adequate answers along the way. It was shut up. And, and, it was shut up, right. shut up. And, we know and best. So what it did was it, it took smart, basic questions and just shut that down. And I, I think that's a terrible lesson for kids on top of the fact that they then expand on that and become very distrustful because they didn't get any answers. And uh, any answers at all, not even bad answers. So I think that they will be very distrustful of government. I think they will want to manage their own lives and keep government out of their lives uh, in a stronger way than certainly we are right now, where we have many people that are sheep-like and just go with what they're told by the government without asking any questions. And that's very disturbing from those of us that love our freedom and love this country and all right, don't all right, understand all right. You're, on, you're on your rift here. I now, am. Okay? So cutting through your rift, Charlie Kirk, morning consult. Younger voters, 13% less liberal than five years ago. Kendall Ehrlich's theory. You know, you're present. You should really recognize that I'm a little more brilliant <laughs> yeah, I've heard than that, you think. I've heard that you're right for 29 years, but <laughs> you seem to be maybe onto something here. Let's hope so, because, baby, you just went on your thing and you're correct. I go back to the very fundamental <laughs> definition of vaccine. Isn't a vaccine supposed to protect you from getting, not contribute, not, not make it better when you get it, but actually make sure you don't get it. So the, even the word vaccine here, the term vaccine, I think has been misplaced in this debate. We also and, and were social in, a, media in a quote unquote emergency. I mean, we could go on and on about this, yeah. but in an emergency situation that has not been called off as an emergency. And we haven't gone back to the protocols that we because used to do. One political party benefits from that. With in vaccines. any event, here we go. So uh, congratulations. I think you may be onto something here and Thank we'll you. see. We'll monitor these National polls with respect to young people as time goes on, and we'll see if you it's have hard to know there. personally because all the young people that come here tend to be right of center. <laughs> yes, sometimes further than us. <laughs> maybe, maybe they they know when they walk in the door that they should be, or they might not get fed. Get with the program. Get with went dinner. Get with the program. Second in, observation. Uh, second sort of narrative from uh, be careful what you wish for. So our listeners will recall years and years ago, I'm not even sure of the year, 2013, Harry Reid invoked the nuclear option at the time, which dropped the number of votes needed for Senate confirmation with respect to cabinet members and federal judges from from 60 to 51. At the time, Mr. McConnell said, be careful what you do, be careful what you wish for. Some liberal pundits in the media said, we understand you're frustrated. You understand we're not happy with Republicans not going along with certain uh, selections. But be careful what you wish for because you're setting a new precedent here. And guess what's happened? Uh, What happened with regard to Harry Reid is once Republicans got control of the Senate, they then lowered the threshold with respect to Supreme Court justices. Neil Gorsuch was the result. And the liberal press said... 
That's not what we meant. That's not what we meant. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't want to go that far. We didn't mean it. We didn't want to go that far, right? So be careful what you wish for on the quote unquote uh, January 6th committee. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, as speaker, ignores Kevin McCarthy's selections, puts uh, two Republicans uh, on, and uh, not of the the uh, minority leaders choosing. And now Speaker McCarthy designate the new speaker coming in, Kevin McCarthy, saying, ah, there's three members. We're not going to assign you any committees. So be careful what you wish for. Be careful of precedent. It's very interesting because you see this whole movement from the hard left, from the progressive left, uh, pack the court, get rid of the filibuster, change processes that have been around for a long time. With a reason. With a reason. The Electoral College. They were put in place yeah. for a reason, for a reason. From very smart people. I know on the left they tend to dismiss the founders as racist, uh, know-nothings, but the fact of it is that— That's not the case, we, and please Well, it's not the case in all book. counts, in, in, in every case, and you have some really bright people there. And in any event, when you're talking about changing precedents, processes that have worked for a long time, be careful because it might come back to bite you in the butt. Second, or third, I should say, third sort of narrative from the midterms, GOP state treasurers uh, have assumed control in a bunch of states. So the context here is Wall Street, the Chamber of Commerce, the Chamber of Commerce we knew as uh, me as a member of uh, Congress coming in and in the 90s uh, for decades and decades and decades, Republican, NFIB for small business, the chamber for big business, but right of center business groups, pro-business groups. We support pro-business candidates for legislatures, for Congress, etc. Well, Wall Street especially and the chamber to some extent have now moved left. Uh, in some cases, they've gone ve- very woke. So these new GOP treasurers met, these elected statewide officials, and what treasurers do is invest pension funds. Right. And they choose Wall Street investment banks to invest those, those pension funds. So let's say you're the state treasurer of West Virginia and you have this woke Wall Street and you have this woke chamber and you have uh, investment funds knocking on your office saying, hey, we want your uh, retirement funds to invest. And you look at them and say, well, uh, aren't you sort of ESG friendly now? And aren't you woke? And aren't you part of the war on fossil fuels? And I'm the state treasurer of West Virginia. What was your name? Right. Well, and that's precisely that that's what's going to happen. Well, it is happening. It is happening, in fact. So, again, in West Virginia, actually, I, I took this from a news story. That's precisely what's happening, and not just in West Virginia. So, yeah, the problem with cancel culture is it's actually two ways. <laughs> it comes back. And, babe, we've talked about this. We need to have – we have plenty of friends who are stockbrokers, and maybe one will come on our show and explain to us how this ESG movement – this environment, social uh, governance movement from the left, this socially uh, conscious sustainability stuff, how that comports with your fiduciary duty Duty. as a fiduciary. I mean, when you have, when teachers work their entire lives and they put money in their pension fund and they're going to live off that pension, I think they expect that firm that's in charge of those dollars to get their highest return, not just teachers, anybody, right? Right. That's called a fiduciary, fiduciary duty. duty. And so how this comports, and I suspect this will play out in the law, uh, in, in, in case oh, in law. lawsuits, yeah. In lawsuits over time. But how that comports as two lawyers, although we never did corporate law, but as two lawyers, it, 
to us, it just seems to be a, a real issue with regard to corporate law these days. And it really impacts millions of Americans and their retirements. And uh, again, if you're a treasurer of a state that has uh, still fossil fuels as part of its traditional economy and lots of jobs, uh, you're going to think twice about this stuff. And I don't blame you. Well, you you battled the Chamber of Commerce your entire well, career. that was the Patty Hearst syndrome. That exactly. was in Maryland, and they've but, been captured that, by the left. And but all that's that. part of that now. This It's now expanded, and it's now cancel culture. And, um, you know, the other side has rights, too. So these new treasures coming in, I hope they remain strong and fight back from well, this. What it is, babe, is a lot of younger CEOs are to the left socially. And mm-hmm. they've, they've tried to take their steer, their, their companies, their corporations, their boards left. Uh, in a variety of ways, including their political contributions. And you can't have it both ways. You can't be a woke CEO and then, uh, with regard to economic issues, say we love the Republicans and social issues, we love the Democrats. It's not how it kind of works. Not right now. In con- in, ever. In, in Washington. Well, we've no, been because, there. We've right, been because there. when majority rules, that just doesn't mesh. It just doesn't mesh. So uh, something to watch as these red states and their treasures seek to invest their investment funds into uh, uh, or how they invest their investment funds is a storyline. It's a narrative that that bears a following. So I promised you brightness 29, you. 29 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all been bright. But deliver- this is, uh, this is a that. different type of brightness. Uh, this is political brightness. Well, let's just revisit this for a second, though. And we pride ourselves on, we have a conservative tilt, no doubt, but we're conservatives and we're free market people. Um, but we also are realists and pragmatists. And when th- something is expected and does not occur, we say it. And so we're not out there with rose colored glasses. This was a real big win uh, for Republicans. It was not. It was a trickle. It was not a red wave. It was disappointing. We talked about this last show with regard to the abortion issue and young women and Republicans, again, being behind the eight ball when it comes to electoral process. Right. Just Well, the electoral process is very unsettling. Yes. Because we still have elections out there that haven't been called, really, and there hasn't been concession for good reason, especially in Arizona, I think. And so uh, process really has to become first world. (laughs) And well, speaking of which, by the way, this is a little off topic, but Lisa Murkowski looks like she survived in Alaska, which would be another loss for President Trump. Another loss for President Trump, uh, as she has been one of the anti-Trump Republicans in the United States Senate. So with regard to this election, there were a lot of down, a lot of downers. There's no doubt about it. But there were some upbeat points, and we need to point those out as well, because the fact of it is Kevin McCarthy is going to be the next speaker. And the fact of it is, there's going to be a Republican House. And if he can control that House, they can stop a lot of the left's initiatives uh, coming from the United States Senate. And because the Democrats are going to control the Senate regardless of what happens in Georgia. Although, caveat, what we talked about last week, Mr. Manchin may not be in such an accommodating mood with respect to the left agenda, given what they've done to him and treated him in the past uh, six and months. And he is up in the next election, I yeah, think. Yeah, and, it, and uh, we're going to be talking about that race as well because 
It's interesting. The Republicans are of two minds. Some want them to switch and some want to knock them off. Mm-hmm. But if he switches, then you get two years worth of a Or does he member. still win as a Democrat and, and some, still uh, you know, continue to vote on that line? Or does he retire? Or does he stay in and face couple friends of ours may be fighting it out in the primary in West Virginia to, uh, for the honor of uh, contesting him in the general election next time. So we shall see. We'll get into that race in the future. Concerning positive points, Long Island 4 for 4. Not just 4 for 4 in Long Island, but New York went nearly 18 points to the right from 20 to 22. Thank you, Lee Zeldin. That was the Zeldin campaign. Yes, it was. It was a Zeldin campaign in the context of a lot of things, but most specifically crime in New York City. Nine House seats carried by Joe Biden flipped in California, New York, Oregon, and Pennsylvania. Wow. In blue states. Well, that's a good sign. Yeah. That's a very good sign. See, I told Say you that, that again. Did I bring you up here? Say that again, because yeah, I know that there's many people listening that feel like I do. So say that one Nine more time. Nine House seats carried by Joe Biden in 20 flipped in these, these districts were in California, New York, Oregon, and Pennsylvania. Okay. Mike Garcia's seat Maybe in California. Maybe they enough of the crime. Orange County. Biden carried it in 20 by 12.4 points. Garcia won this election by 8.4 points. That's a 20-point Point difference. Spread. Wow. Okay. That's Orange County. Sean Patrick Maloney, who runs the DCCC, and just for our listeners who may not be so into politics, the Democratic House Committee is called the DCCC, Democratic Congressional uh, Committee. And the, this is the organization that funds House Democrats in their reelection and identifies candidates for open seats in the whole nine yards. They run the House Democratic Caucus and the Republicans have. And I was actually finance chair for the Republicans under Chairman Tom Davis for a cycle when I was in the House. But the DCCC chair lost. He lost his race by 10 points. Uh, that's Which is really deal. something. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's hard because he controls the money. You would think he'd, if he was in trouble, he would bring a lot more money into his own district to protect himself first, but that did not occur. That's someone that's way overconfident in their race. In New York, there was a district outside of Queens that Biden carried by 14.5 points in 2020. Desesposito, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, a Republican won that seat by 3.8 points that's again an 18 point swing in new york desantis won in florida miami dade straight up straight up fantastic if you're governor of florida and he lost it the oh, first well, go republicans have lost it for the last five cycles it's a very blue cycle a very blue uh district if you want to run for president and you're a Republican governor of Florida, and you want to show the Republican grassroots you can carry crossover voters, not just crossover voters, uh, independents, but also Democrats, there you go, right there. Right. Right there. Uh, <clears throat> Republicans carry the popular vote nationally. I mentioned this to you in the car last night. Mm-hmm. 51.5 to, to 47 of a 4 to 5 point win nationally. That's big for us. Of course, it's a non-presidential year. Yep. Uh, which it happens more often during that time. Very, yes, very correct. difficult for us to do that in the presidential year. But. And it looks like the bottom line to the midterms, Republicans won a nine-seat advantage, 222 to 213. 
It's exactly the uh, ratio that President Biden had on the Democratic side in 2020. So, again, no rose-colored glasses here. When you have an agenda that generally failed, and I use the term generally, maybe I should not use the term generally, an agenda that failed in every major respect from Afghanistan to the kitchen table, and you don't get hit, you don't get punished by the voters, for Democrats, this cycle was a win. And you see the president, the vice president, the congressional leadership sort of celebrated that over the past week or two. And, and, and they should celebrate it because they should have been hit and they weren't. Let's just talk about that for a second. So from our, it's from our perspective, it is a totally failed policy uh, administration. Well, I mean, if you go down all planks. the policies on major, the major right? Yep. So if they were not punished, is that much of the country in support of those policies? Open border, defunding police, not having energy independence. Go, go down the Paying list. Paying off the loans of college graduates with the money from non-high school graduates. Right. So you go down the whole list of, of things. Most people, even the independents that I know— uh, yeah. Okay. I, so a woke military. We could go on and on. We could go on and on. So is most of the country in support of that? That's what I don't understand. That's that's why I'm watching the Hallmark Channel. Um, I'm going to start watching the Hallmark Channel with you <laughs> <laughs> once the San Jose game is over. Um, babe, everybody has not everyone, but a lot of people come to us because they're depressed and they want. Our friends, our personal friends, our past staff, all that. People come to us and say, make me, make me feel better. I'm not going to do that because I don't know the answer to that question. I do know, as a matter of pragmatism, when you look at Dobbs and you look at single women and you look at how they voted, there were a number of purple seats that went Democrat, most likely because of those numbers. I also know, as we've discussed a number of times here, that there weren't as many stakes at issue as some people thought, because Republicans have picked up those dozen seats in 20. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, you would hope that people want a border. You would hope that people want a strong military, not a woke military. You would hope the kitchen table counts. You would hope the supply chain counts. You would hope defund the police counts. You would hope cashless bail counts. Right. I mean, all those things uh, are, are items that you actually want government to do. Most conservatives like us want government out of our lives for the most part. But the few things they want you to do is security, secure the border, make my family safe, uh, make the supply chain uh, come back to make me feel like it's America again, and, and let's recover from what happened with COVID together with a strong America like we know it to have been. All right, you heard my stump speech this cycle plenty of times. What did I say? I said, and I know you were listening. <laughs> you just got a fear look on your face. <laughs> I know you know. But what I said was, and we talked about this plenty of times, the stuff we just described, we itemized, if you will, as failures on the left is progress. Cashless bail is progress. Defund the police okay. is progress. Afghanistan was progress. A woke military is progress. So, again. So, the you, point is not enough of us think that. Yes. I, I, I'm compelled to you that conclusion. You think that a higher percentage of the country 
essentially wants a strong, stronger form of socialism here in America. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying I don't know is what I'm saying. And, well, and, 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 and that is not a pleasant that is not a pleasant conclusion. I I'm not selling that conclusion. No, 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 I that know doesn't that. make me feel you, better. Yeah. As I, you know our no, entire I life our You're entire very lives pragmatic. Our entire lives have been devoted to Republican politics, right of center politics, individual responsibility, all that stuff we've done, we've tried to we've tried to teach our kids, we've talked about and Hundreds of speeches, thousands of speeches over the years. And but I think the point is we can't stop talking about it because that's been part of this whole process as well. The minute you say something that somebody else doesn't agree with, oh, then First you're a racist minute. or you're this or you're a ist. You're Ick. some name. Ickism ist. You've been called a name. And it is stifling our normal banter, speech, Neighbor to neighbor talk. People now say, "Oh, I, you know, I, we don't talk politics at, at Thanksgiving or Christmas." Well, the problem is, I think you need to now, maybe more than ever. Yeah, and if that uncle say, won't shut up, hey, don't invite the uncle. Hey, wait a minute! You really think that about the police? You really don't? You know what the crime <laughs> statistics are in these big cities? Do you feel safe taking your family to New York? Do you York know what George Soros has done? Do you know what he's funded? Well, well, we've seen some of these prosecutors. By the way, the the Philly guy is uh, my lord. Uh, at least, at least there's a process. They're they're trying to take him out. I don't I don't think it's been successful yet. But at least there's a process moving forward. So even in Philadelphia, they've seen because they had more crime than they've ever had in their city's history. We're at a time. Can I put a bottom line on this? What you just said. <laughs> Our entire relationship. <laughs> Our activism as adults, your jobs, my jobs, have been about the First Amendment, have been about freedom of speech, have been about First Amendment protections. At no time in our lifetime has the, have those protections been under more direct attack than now. Speech codes, all the silly stuff the kids are taught. And now you have generations of young adults who literally do not agree with the First Amendment and traditional definitions and the importance of dialogue. We have college kids who we know very well, and I've been on plenty of college campuses, who say and tell us, I cannot give my opinion in a college classroom. It will cost me. It will hurt me, which is a lead-in to a tease. See how I brought this together? You're good. Our, thank you. For our show in a week or two with regard to where your dollars need to go when it comes to college campuses and the First Amendment. So there we have it. Yeah, we do. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go San Jose. Be positive, San Jose. Watch the Hallmark Channel. It'll make you feel better. Godspeed. <laughs>